in this series. Uh, we've taken a break through working through the Gospel of Mark for the Christmas season, and so this is our second week in the Simple Christmas series. Today we're going to be in 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter 3. So if you've got your Bibles, you'll want to turn there. We'll be there in just a moment. We're calling today's message, Are You Ready? How many times has somebody asked you already, are you ready for Christmas? That's probably a question that you'll be asked a hundred times between now and December 25th. And when people ask that, they're usually asking, have you finished your shopping? Or do you have your decorations up? Do you have your house ready for the, the holiday visitors? And th that's a fine question to ask. Are you, are you ready for Christmas? But I want to encourage you this morning, each of us as believers, to take it to its purest sense. Are you ready? Are you ready for the coming of Christ? After all, Christ's coming is at the center of our celebration of Christmas, isn't it? The coming of Jesus the first time. And today we want to talk about being ready for the coming of Jesus the second time. I read this story recently. Robbie Robbins was an Air Force pilot during the first Iraq War. And he and his crew flew over 300 missions during the conflict. And one day, Captain Robbins was surprised to be called to the CO's office and told to immediately pull his crew together and fly his plane home. They were no longer needed in Iraq. The crew, of course, was excited. They grabbed all their gear, they did their final flight check, and then they flew across the ocean from the Middle East all the way to Massachusetts in the United States where they landed. Once they deplaned, they piled into an SUV and they made a long drive to western Pennsylvania where most of the crew was from. They drove all night long. And when his crewmates, his buddies, dropped him off at his driveway, it was just as the sun was coming up and Captain Robbins saw that there was a big banner across the garage. Welcome home, Daddy. And he thought, oh my goodness, how did they know? No one had called, everything had happened so quickly. The crew themselves hadn't expected to leave. And so Robbins relates, when I walked into the house, the kids were about half dressed for school and they screamed, Daddy! And my wife Susan came running down the hall. She looked terrific, her hair was fixed, her makeup was on, she was in a crisp yellow dress. And I said, how did you know? And her answer was, I didn't. I didn't, she answered through tears of joy. Once we knew that the war was coming to an end, we knew that you would be home one of these days. We knew that you'd try to surprise us. And so we were ready every day. Imagine that. Every day. Friends, Christ's coming is the determining factor in how we ought to live our lives. Not only his first coming at Christmas, but his second coming. And we don't know when that is, but we must be ready. That's Peter's message to the church in our text today. Are you ready for the coming of Christ? In 2 Peter chapter 3, in verses 8 through 15, Peter makes at least three observations about Christ's coming that I think will help us to be ready 
ready for this Christmas season and ready for his second coming as well. And so I'm going to invite you to listen as his words are read. Uh, Brother Richard Smith is our scripture reader today, so I'm going to invite him to come up and read 2 Peter 3, verses 8 through 15. Good morning. Second uh, Peter uh, chapter 3, 8 through 15. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as soon as some count slowness, but is patience towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach re repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn? But according to his promise, we are waiting for a new heaven, a new earth, in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace, and count the patience of our Lord as salvation. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Richard. The word of the Lord. We're going to take a look at this passage as we work our way through it. And the first thing I want us to consider is God's timing. God's timing. God's watch keeps a different time, doesn't it? God doesn't operate according to a Timex or a Casio or a Bulova, not even a Rolex, not one of those fancy Swiss-made chronometers. God made time, and he stands outside of it. And that's why Peter says in verse 8, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. God's time is very different than ours. How long till Christmas? Asked the little voices beginning about this time of the year. I wish Christmas would hurry up and get here. I remember. I remember as a kid, it seemed like a thousand years between Thanksgiving and Christmas. God works according to his watch, not ours. When Jesus arrived in a stable all those years ago, the timing even caught many of those who were looking for a Messiah off guard. If he would have arrived when the, the city of Jerusalem was surrounded by an attacking army after uh, 700 years earlier, God's timing might have been more easily understood. Or if he'd arrived when Nebuchadnezzar besieged the city while the people were crying out for deliverance, God's timing might be more easily understood. But God's watch runs on a different time. 
And so Jesus' arrival occurred when? At the precise time that God decided. Because God's watch keeps the best time of all. And his second coming will be according to that same timing. Not when we expect, not when we deem appropriate, but when God's watch sounds the hour, Jesus will come again. But it will be in God's timing because God's watch keeps a different time. There's a second thing I want to consider with you, and that is not just God's timing, but God's tendency. Let's think about God's tendency for a moment. God's tendency is toward patience. While many of us long for a hurried up arrival of Christmas, and maybe others of us long for this hectic Christmas season to end, we all know that officially at least Christmas doesn't come until December 25th. But our tendency as people is towards impatience, not towards patience. And so whether it's with government bureaucracy or the checkout line at the grocery store or your next day package delivery, we generally are an impatient culture. But God's tendency is towards patience. A man and a woman spotted each other on the morning flight from New York to Washington, the daily air shuttle. As they looked across that plane, sparks flew, but no words were exchanged. As they landed, even as they stood together in the taxi line at Washington National, the woman got in a cab, and then she looked back, and she saw the man running after her. She begged the cabbie to stop the cab, but he kept going because of traffic. In desperation, she scrawled her phone number on a scrap of paper and pressed it against the back window, but she knew that the man was too far away to read it. So she went to her meeting, but she couldn't stop thinking about that man. And so she feigned illness. She returned to the airport, and she waited for that man to catch the shuttle back to New York. She waited in the terminal all day long. Finally, she got on the last flight at 9 p.m. to fly back to New York. As she arrived back in New York, dejected, she stepped into the gate area, and who was there? The man. What took you so long, he asked. I've been waiting all day. Now, I don't know if that's a, a true story or whether that's an urban myth. It doesn't really matter, though, because what I want you to see is that story pictures something wonderfully true about God. Our God in his great love, is waiting, waiting for you, waiting for me, waiting for those who yet are to give their lives to him. Peter reminds us of this, of this in verse 9 when he says, the Lord is not slow. He's not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not willing, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. So while many of us might like to see Christ's second coming soon, God waits, providing an opportunity for more people to respond to his love. You know, even in Jesus' life, God displayed patience. 
you know, he, he allowed Jesus to be born as a tiny baby. And then he waited 30 years, 30 years for him to become the man that we came to know as Christ. That's because God's tendency is toward patience. Towards patience. And so God's timing is different than ours. God's tendency is towards patience. And then third, I want us to consider God's transition. God's transition. There will come a time when the Lord will transition from waiting patiently to arriving unexpectedly. And this means for us that God's surprise entrance calls for readiness. For readiness. Take a look at verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come, how? Like a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar. The heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. And the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. And so Peter warns that the second coming will be a surprise. Not when we expect it. Like a thief in the night, Christ will come in an unexpected way in time. And in many cases, he will come uninvited. Because there will be those that have not invited him to be their savior. Just like his birth, Jesus' coming will catch many by surprise. You know, in this Christmas season, we sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel. But when Jesus comes again, his arrival will still be unexpected, even if we're longing for it. Back in 1984, in the May edition of the National Geographic magazine, they showed for the first time through color photos and drawings the swift and terrible destruction that wiped out the Roman cities of Pompeii and Herculaneum, A.D. 79. You've probably heard about the explosion of Mount Vesuvius. It was so sudden. The residents were killed while in their routine. Men and women were in the market. The rich were in their luxurious baths, and the slaves were toiling away. They died amid volcanic ash and superheated gases in a moment in time. Even the animals suffered the same quick and final fate. And it takes very little imagination to picture the panic and the terror that must have come upon those people in those last moments that terrible day. But you know, the saddest part, the saddest part is that those people didn't have to die. Scientists today can confirm what ancient Roman writers record. Weeks of rumblings and shakings, weeks of those preceded the actual explosion. Even an ominous plume of smoke was clearly visible from the mountain days before that eruption took place. If only they had been able to read and respond to Vesuvius's warnings. If only they had known that destruction was coming. And that reminds me of this. You know, there are similar rumblings in our world today, aren't there? Warfare, earthquakes, worldwide political tensions, economic woes, a worldwide pandemic that we're in the midst of. While not exactly new, these things do point to a day of coming judgment. But friends, we don't have to be caught 
unprepared, like the people of Pompeii. God warns, doesn't he? He warns and he provides an escape to those who will heed the rumblings. May we pay attention. And so for that reason, Peter says, as we anxiously await his arrival, our lives ought to be different. We ought to be holy and godless, godly and, and spotless. We ought to be specimens of purity. The ethics of our faith are based on this surprise return. Peter says that we ought to live today as if it were our last day. Because guess what? It just might be. We don't know. Every day calls for a constant recommitment to holy living. Because today just might be the day. And so, during this season, when someone asks you, are you ready for Christmas? Let's just take that question in its fullest sense. Are you ready for the coming of Christ? You know, a few years ago, my wife Sue and I, along with my parents, took a, a short cruise. We, we cruised from Seattle up to Vancouver, Canada. And after that little cruise, we rented a car. We had some plans to make a few stops along the way, a few nights along the way as we traveled by car back to Seattle. And so in Vancouver at the car rental counter, when I got there and told them my name, they said, oh, I'm sorry, the, the car size that you've reserved is not available. And so they said, we're going to give you an upgrade. An upgrade, how cool was that? They gave me a big, brand new comfy SUV to drive. It only had 29 miles on it. And it was a nice ride. I loved it. I was enjoying that brand new automobile so much as we exited that terminal, I blew right past the sign that said, toll road ahead. <laughs> now, I'm not used to stopping for toll booths. We don't really have those in Oregon. But the really odd thing there were no toll booths, just signs announcing the next section of a toll road. They didn't have toll booths that you just had to know. Well, at first I was concerned, but as I kind of started to, to worry about it, I thought, well, you know, this car, this car belongs to the car rental company, not to me. So they're probably responsible for any tolls. That's probably included in the rental coverage that I paid for. So I kept driving. And then I drove past yet another toll sign, and I thought, well, you know, even if I am responsible for the tolls, there, there's probably only a, a few tolls between here and the U.S. border. I, I thought, you know, about three, four, five dollars. I'm sure there's some threshold where they don't even bother sending you a bill for the tolls. I mean, it wouldn't be worth their time to send me a bill for four dollars. Nothing's going to happen. Well, after I returned home from our trip, a few months went by, nothing happened. I thought nothing ever will. And then several months later, I got a letter in the mail. I opened it and it said, notice of toll violation. I was right to a degree. The Canadian Tollway Authority, they, they wouldn't bother sending me a bill for a measly $4.40, but they did send a bill to the car rental company. And on that bill, when you add in $20, 
for every time one of the five toll zones I passed through, they did bother sending a bill for $104.40. And of course, the car rental company tacked on an extra $50 for handling my oversight. Over $150 of charges for traveling a few miles on a Canadian toll road. Now, I was pretty upset about that bill, but they had me dead to rights. They even included on the bill a photo of the license plate of my rental car and another photo of this face right there above the steering wheel. They even knew the exact lane I was driving in. The fact that months had gone by and nothing had happened didn't mean that nothing was ever going to happen. Friends, Peter says to us, get a clue. Just because the Lord hasn't come back yet, don't think for a moment that he won't. The Lord isn't being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he is being patient for our sake, for our neighbor's sake, for our community's sake, for our loved one's sakes. He is being patient because he doesn't want anyone to be destroyed. But he wants everyone to repent. And so in light of our understanding about God's transition and the end of the world, what should we do? Well, for starters, we're called to repent. The way out of judgment is to repent. And here's what repentance looks like. In verse 11, since all these things are thus to be dissolved, this world and all that's in it, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? That's what repentance looks like. Take a look at verse 14. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, waiting for what? A new heaven and a new earth, a new creation. Since you're waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. Holy lives, godly lives peaceful lives, pure and blameless lives. That's what shows that we are living a life of repentance. That word repentance literally just means a change of heart that leads to a change of action. Sometimes we just stop at that first level, a change of heart. Oh, thank God that he has forgiven me. Amen, I love that grace. And then we just live our life without any change of action. Repentance calls us to change our lifestyle. And I want you to notice one more thing. We are not to be concerned about others' repentance as much as we are about our own repentance. Friends, we already know what a godly and peaceful life looks like. You know it, don't you? You know when you're living the way and you know when you're not living the way. Have you hurt somebody? And you know it, but you, you can't quite convince yourself to go and ask forgiveness? You may not have more time. 
do it now? Or have you had this growing realization, perhaps that you carry a a lot of anger in your heart or resentment or hurt from the past and it keeps pushing people away in your life? When are you going to stop tolerating that and start working on it? Jesus is coming back. So work on it now, today. Or what about the time that money was tight and you cut a corner, even though you knew it was wrong? The time to get serious about living a holy life is now, right this moment, this very day. You see, God doesn't want to punish us. He wants to pardon us. He's waiting, and he's waiting, and he's waiting, patiently giving us more time. But he won't wait forever. And so we are called to repent today. God's watch keeps a very different timeline. God's tendency is toward patience. But there will come a time when the Lord will transition from waiting patiently to arriving very unexpectedly. And the question we ask is, are you ready? Are you ready? Not just for the coming of Christmas, but for the coming of the King. That is the promise and the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. But we must be ready. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for reminding us, Lord, how important it is for us to be prepared 